When he spoke of Eleanor Roosevelt, Samuel Jesse Battle often told a story about a glass of water. It was a glass of ice water poured by the First Lady of the United States. The year was 1943. America was at war against a regime built on racial and religious supremacy, yet America enforced white superiority at home. And here was Mrs. Roosevelt in Harlem, capital of black America, on stage in a jammed assembly hall. The air grew stifling. A heavy-set woman of great dignity was speaking. The heat appeared to be getting the better of her. Mrs. Roosevelt walked to a pitcher of cold water, brought a glassful to the podium, and returned to her seat. Her courtesy toward a woman who was as black as a shoe, indelibly impressing battle as a symbol of hope. Now he gathers that memory and many others because one of America's best writers is coming so that they can tell the story of how the son of freed slaves had triumphed in New York, triumphed over New York. He remembers the tour guides who brought people to gawk at the colored policeman as if he were a zoo animal. He remembers the death threats and the swinging nightsticks. He remembers the hot night he saved a fallen white officer from a black mob. After two world wars and the Great Depression, the twentieth century is at its halfway mark. So many of those who had been there are gone. So much is being forgotten. That will change with this book. He walks down the back stairway of the great old townhouse, carrying a pad of paper on which he has outlined the story in penciled longhand. Samuel Battle's step is firm. He is six feet two and two hundred and sixty pounds, fuller in girth than when he had been in boxing trim, but still powerful at the age of sixty-six. No wrinkles etch his deep brown skin. No gray flecks appear in his closely cropped hair. Somewhere along the way he has acquired reading glasses, but nothing else has gone wrong. He proudly attributes his physical condition to clean, moral living. Florence is in the kitchen with fresh produce. She shops downtown because the markets in Harlem have few fruits and vegetables. It is an hour's subway ride, but she insists on the trip because she keeps the house just so. Home had been Florence's domain from the start. Forty-five years of marriage, Battle smiles to think of her. A sixteen-year-old girl, taking in marriage a young man making his way as a red-capped luggage porter at the old Grand Central Depot. He would tell all about the tough, good days of 1905. Battle studies his wife, noting the personal qualities that are important to the story. She is fair-skinned. She is particular about her appearance, especially her choice of clothing. Her hair is long, black, and straight. She wears this telltale of Cherokee blood in a bun. At the moment, she is getting things right for the famous Langston Hughes, and she is none too pleased by the sound of thumping feet. It's the boy, Tony, their grandson, running. Always running. Florence calls up the stairs. The house is not a playground, she says. Take your energy outside, she says. Battle slips into his study. The walls are crowded with bookshelves. Most of the volumes are histories. In fiction, Hawthorne is still a favorite. Not bad for someone who finished only elementary school, Battle thinks. He places the pad on a desk, the paper listing his milestones, 
first black cop, first black sergeant, first black lieutenant in the New York Police Department. To get the story right, he would have to tell about all the hard fights and about all the entertainers, clergymen, journalists, doctors, boxers, athletes, artists, gangsters, and politicians he had known. Many of them had been firsts in the way that he had been first. Through the long era, when segregation was not only legal but the norm, when no U.S. president would support even anti-lynching legislation, when white domination was enforced with unrelenting violence, battle had lived on the frontier of the American black experience. The men and women of his memory had also blazed trails. Collectively, they had formed the backbone of an American civil rights movement well before America discovered that America had a civil rights movement, well before America recognized that extraordinary men and women were indomitably at work bending the long moral arc. Wild and woolly New York would also be a big part of the story. Battle thinks that Hughes would be just the man to tell about the bare-knuckled city because Hughes had known Harlem in its finest glory, and because Hughes, too, had been a pathbreaker. He seemed to have written about everything there was to write about, but nothing more so than about the lives of black Americans. So, for the considerable sum of $1,500, Battle has hired the poet, playwright, essayist, and novelist to tell the story he once told. <laughs>